ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansley got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It's the Sox on Tap post game show. Johnny Nani here alongside Tony Marchese. Unfortunately, we're discussing another White Sox loss today. Got a lot to get to on the show, but Tony, it's good to be back on the mic with you first and foremost. Absolutely, Johnny. You've been gone for what feels like forever. I'm very happy to have you back. Uh, just, you know, around the on Tap Sports Net offices every day. Uh, you're a critical piece here, and uh, it's just it's it's good to have you back. This is a welcome sight for me, and, and not only because we get to talk about White Sox baseball, but all you bring to the organization, Johnny. Uh, it, this is fantastic, even though we've got to talk about a loss. Because for those that don't know, uh, Johnny knows. Three years ago today, uh, we uh, we met for the first time and started this uh, little project together called On Tap Sportsnet. Uh, after the Sox beat the Cubs on a, on a really good ball game, we drank a lot of beer that day and. It's just good. This is good that we're doing this, Johnny. I'm happy to have you back. How you doing? Yeah, today? yeah, yeah. Uh, happy third anniversary to Untap. Yeah, as when it was conceived, didn't actually launch until March the following year. But yes, a little history there. Uh, that is why uh, all of this exists and all of our other stuff: bears on tap, four feathers, cubs on tap, all of that uh, that we do in the Chicago sports media landscape. So uh, now that that's out of the way, let's talk White Sox baseball here. Uh, like I mentioned, unfortunately, a five to three loss here in Game Two at Detroit. Vos- the series here magic number stays at two for the time being uh that game between kansas city and cleveland starts later this evening actually probably in a little bit here uh with those cleveland earlier start times that they have uh when they play home games so um we'll be interesting to see what they do then but uh tony the title is episode start right there tragic not magic uh because for one the tone of the ball game and then two you just don't get to clinch today no you don't get to clinch today and i really wanted to clinch today even though i knew it was going to come uh, in the hotel for the White Sox, uh, if that were going to be the case, because you're going to you're going to bank on uh, that that Cleveland loss here tonight. So, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to watch the White Sox clinch on the field, Johnny, I'm OK uh, right here, knowing that there's going to be another opportunity for that to happen. Um, I'd probably be a little bit more on edge. We'd probably be doing the show a little bit later uh, to figure out hey, had we clinched uh, or had we not. But, you know, it, it's. Tragic, not magic is a great word here uh, or a great, great title of this episode because it uh, there's not a lot of magic feel right now. I think that there's there's been a lot of wasted opportunities, a little bit of frustration creeping in for everybody. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's kind of what we want to do is take the temperature because uh, after the game on social media, you see reactions all over the spectrum. You see couldn't even care less. I've seen that one. Uh, I've seen these don't matter at all. 
that's fine. I've seen that. And then I've seen other ones, extreme concern, uh, feeling like this is a repeat of last year in the downslide that led into uh, the first round early exit um, from the playoffs last year. I've seen a lot of, you know, trends uh, about, you know, bullpen never getting it together. I've seen, uh, you know, calls about certain guys. Eloy's in a slump right now. We'll get to him later. Um, you know, bullpen is what it is. And then I've also seen kind of uh, in the middle, uh, of that maybe just more of a personal feeling wanting to clinch it wanting to have that just under your belt um, and get done here so I'd say I kind of reside in the middle of that Tony um, I think there's an emotional t- level of it for me and uh, I think I need to start out usually I would say something like this towards the end but just if we're taking temperatures here of each of us on socks on tap um, one of our good friends Sam comes out the tailgates a lot uh, man Tuli may know him on Twitter uh, White Sox Twitter folks uh, but he has a thread I- I'm gonna read it off real quick because this basically describes how I feel says here's where I stand uh, as a slightly older individual who remembers 05 and 08 and yes I remember both those two so he says yes the White Sox are winning the division and yes today is zero bearing on October baseball but you have to understand it's been since September 30th of 2008 you recall they didn't celebrate last year as they were waiting for a division title that never came given the events of yesterday and today they controlled their clinch on the field destiny which we all so desperately crave that's where the overreaction of a team up 11 games with 11 games of play comes in. No one wants to clinch from a hotel room. We've been deprived of and deserve that rush of clinching with the win on the field. And I want that so bad. So forgive me if I come across as overreactive. That is right where I stand, Tony. Um, it, it's a level of doing it um, on the field, uh, having that sort of celebration there in front of you, get, getting for us as fans, being able to enjoy it, celebrate with friends who you're watching with. Um, that's all part of the experience of being a fan and covering this team uh, for me. So th- that's kind of where I stand. And then also you controlled your own destiny. If you did that and, uh, you know, even if Cleveland won tonight, then you'd have a chance to go out and do it tomorrow uh, in that game there and do an on the field sort of thing there. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of where uh, it's a little bit frustrating for me. And uh, we'll get to it later in the game because or excuse me, later in the show, because tomorrow's game most likely not going to happen uh, due to inclement weather in the forecast. So let's take your temperature. Where are you at on this? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of struggling with this one, Johnny, because I feel all those things. I feel the frustration for not being able to hit with runners in scoring position and get the job done today. I feel the, you know, the distrust in Dallas Keuchel. I feel the worry or the concern about what you see uh, with the eye test with Carlos Rodon right now. I say a lot of the same things that everybody else who's tuned into this team day in and day out feel. Uh, And right now, I mean, it's not the greatest stretch of baseball. I'm just going to be honest with you. It hasn't been the most pleasant stretch of baseball to watch. I've seen a lot of people tuning out of games uh, that are normally invested through parts of the season. I've seen some wild shit on Twitter uh, after this, you know, game, you know, was was over in the later innings of it. People saying that, uh, you know, this team's one and done. Like, all Then I put into perspective how special the first half of this season was as a White Sox fan. And their ability to find ways to win ball games, their abilities to get through some things. They've weathered the storm. They've taken control of the division at such an early point. Um, how hard is it to keep your focus through these games? These guys have been waiting for the playoffs since like mid July. It's mid September. I mean, that's a couple months of laborious baseball. You had the Field of Dreams game in there that had some magic and some high intensity in it. You've had the toughest stretch of your schedule through the back half of this season when you've already basically done your job to get your team to October. I'm somewhere in the middle with you, Johnny. I I agree from the fan standpoint. 
that, uh, you know, you, you want to see it. And there's some frustration there. There's obvious want to win. You, you As a fan, you want to see your team win every game. So, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, I guess, looking at this big picture, like, no, this doesn't really matter that they've lost a couple of games. I don't think that's going to be the end story of the White Sox season. If they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs because – you know, they, they had a bullpen day or something absolutely atrocious. I think both you and I are going to be screaming into these microphones and probably very, as Steve would say, mad online. Like, I'm going to be right there with everybody. But I also kind of have appreciated this season a little bit more because this team's been really good. And we haven't really seen it at full strength. I think what I want to see through the last portion of this schedule is that team at full strength? I, I, I want it to get there. I'm just as frustrated with everybody else about the lineups, resting guys, and doing all this other stuff. But again, I don't know if that's going to be the reason that they wind up winning this thing in October. And am I being selfish as a White Sox fan right now because I want to see the full lineup every day, day in, day out? We talked about this on the show, Johnny, and what that means and how hard it is to get through a baseball season and coming off the shortened season and all that other stuff. Am I being selfish as a White Sox fan that I want to see it every day? Probably. But at the same point, like we don't know what the final chapter of this storybook is going to hold. So it's it's been a weird, twisty, turvy year. I'm trusting in the magic and the in the it factor that we've talked about on this team that we haven't seen in, 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 in a lot of teams in a lot of years. And I don't even think we saw it last year. There's an it factor with this team still. They're still in some of these ballgames. Even today's ballgame could have been changed with one swing in the ninth inning even after countless like just different times where they could have pissed the game away completely, they were still in it to the last at bat. Cause you, you had the tying run at the plate. So that's my temperature with it. I, I, I just think that there's the final chapter hasn't been written yet. And I'm kind of waiting for that next chapter to start. Right. Still more to go here. We're not even, you know, uh, in, into the last series here uh, of the regular season. I mean, we're getting down there. Uh, there's only a few left, but uh, we're not there quite yet. Obviously, a big five game set, uh, thanks to some rainouts earlier in the season coming up at Cleveland. Then you've got back home Cincinnati for a pair and uh, a couple of days off uh, scattered around those. And then Detroit uh, in that first weekend of October with it spilling over. Um, into the 10th month of the year here uh, to start. So there will be October baseball no matter what um, <laughs> on the south side of Chicago, but uh, obviously not the ones that everybody is uh, kind of, you know, ramped up and uh, what's driving the, this point of discussion that we're talking about here, Tony. One thing that I will say, though, is you know how crushing it was for me last year um, with just how upset I was with the late season collapse and then that bleeding over into the wild card. And I understand different circumstances, COVID shortened season. I get that, but I think there's a buildup of frustration too, that is now being let out um, as we're getting closer to this juncture, because um, we've been saying for how long, Oh, well, you know, these bullpen guys just, they get, as long as they get right by, you know, mid uh, Mm -hmm. September. Well, guess what? It's mid September right now and they ain't right. So there, and I know today's game is specifically, maybe not the example, but you look last night, Craig Kimbrell. Um, luckily, Liam Hendricks has been better as of late. So that is one positive that you can take of if you want to go back and forth with the positive and negative there. Uh, but overall, I wouldn't say you feel extremely confident after seeing what Aaron Bummer did today, especially if you're relying on him to be a, a big arm in the postseason. So I can see both sides of it, uh, but I'll kind of, I guess I'll lean a little bit more towards maybe I am 
overreacting a little bit uh, on this because I see what happened last year, and unfortunately, I get the same vibe. It's just literally a gut feeling that I have. So oh, that's what um, you, you that's, you're that's accustomed to it. Yeah, you're accustomed to it now. At this that's point, that's so White Sox, right? Yeah, that's so White Sox. And you know, like I, I take a look at the tones that we've had on the show uh, this year versus last year, where things were. Um, and last year, every, every game meant a lot more because there was less of them. So, you know, we even talked about that, you know, in the first game of the season, we were frustrated last year in 2020 because of the loss. This was a longer season. I think I was a little bit more appreciative to have baseball back and, and get to go to games and be in the stadium and, and have the experience of being a baseball fan back. I think that was uh, partial to, you know, how I felt about and gone about uh, how I viewed White Sox games this year. I think on top of that, this team just had a different tone to it throughout the whole entire season. I mean, if if you go back and you look at the injury history, did you think we were going to be here right now? If I told you those names, if I told you some of the things that were going to happen along the way, if I told you that Billy Hamilton was going to be like a, a Southside legend after a two-week stretch when you said, well, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and, you know, like, what is he playing right field? Cause that's where we've come to. Uh, like I, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on that, Johnny. I wouldn't put money on that happening. And I don't think anybody would. It's been, it's been a cool year. It's been a good yeah. year. Yeah. Right. Uh, overcoming a lot of adversity. We talked about this team having it. Um, it feels like Tony though, we haven't said that in a while on the show. So I want to see that come back. I hope there are a few, uh, maybe exciting games. I think surely uh, as soon as they do clinch, um, that will be a bit of a jolt, at least of energy for the fan base. Um, yep. I'd imagine um, for the team morale as well, uh, just having that, you know, like I mentioned un under your belt, it's sort of a uh, milestone sort of thing that you just need to get out of the way uh, at some point. Not that it's, you know, obviously take it anyway, you can get it, but uh, it would be cool to do it uh, in a fashion where it's controlling your own destiny and, you know, uh, being able to celebrate on the field. So um, th that kind of circles around all this discussion um, to, to open the show here. Um, we, we didn't even, touch on the game yet really i did mention a few points that we were going to get to so let's dive into this thing here yep. um you know as i mentioned the final score of five to three um but the white Sox charge out early in this one it was a dallas keichel day um luckily scoreless through uh two for him despite getting hit pretty hard i mean on the day what's up uh, 11 hits, I believe. Yes. To the Detroit Tigers, two earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, five innings pitch. So that was uh, Dallas Keuchel today uh, concerning uh, kind of all over the place, but uh, that's nothing new for us when it comes to Dallas Keuchel. Um, so yeah, any thoughts on him before we get into the scoring here? Yeah. Same thing. I'm going to go back to with, with everybody on the starting rotation right now is, you know, just getting out of innings quicker. Um, it's, just felt like every single time Dallas Keuchel got the two outs today, Johnny, it was here's a walk or here's a single or we're going to work a count to 3-2 and he's going to foul off two or three pitches and then waste one away. And that type of stuff really starts to eat away at a starting pitcher, and it's it's happening to Dallas Keuchel just as it's happening to everybody else. I don't know if this is just me identifying this issue and like really harping on it, but the, the driving your pitch count up and seeing our starters not go deep into ball games is overexposing the, uh, I guess, people's concerns with Tony LaRusso's bullpen management. And I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday Funday uh, with, you know, I, I honestly can't say that I'd be able to make the right choices in a back end of a bullpen that includes Michael Kopech, Aaron Bummer, Liam Hendricks, and Craig Kimbrell and slate them into the right innings. But I, I think to an extent, Johnny, Dallas Keuchel isn't your guy who's going to go eight innings, but he has the ability to. 
He really does because if he's just going to let people hit ground balls the way he's supposed to, you, you should see some quicker innings from him. And, and I don't know what the actual problem is here. He's just been hit hard way too much and thrown way too many pitches early in, in, in ball games. Uh, I, I just I expected him to step up a little bit more today, but he didn't get any help either. He didn't get any help at all uh, to yeah. even settle in. So this was a close one, and that's where you start to overextend yourself. And it's the same story. We've seen this one over and over. Yeah, uh, regarding Keiko, last note on it, it's, I mean, the stuff is just extremely hittable. He's not hitting locations. He had to ditch the cutter, essentially, uh, go more sinker heavy um, with that. And uh, unfortunately, he, he's just not placing him right. You saw, you know, the count where he's up. I believe it was one, two at one point. And he leaves a cookie right down the middle for well, guys just ri- ri- rip a single. So, guys who, re- it, yeah, guys who rely yeah. on command and have no command, yeah. Johnny, are going to get <laughs> yeah, it's a, murdered. Yeah, it's uh, a formula for failure, not success. So, um, uh, either way, though, uh, at the end of the day, Keiko only gives it two. Let's get into the scoring in this game, Tony. It was top of the third. White Sox would surge out just like they did uh, in the Monday night opener for this series. Uh, Cesar Hernandez gets started one out single. Tim Anderson doubles, and then Luis Robert with the infield drawn in. It's a ground ball through the left side. That scores two. Um, and the White Sox would be on the board. Unfortunately, inning would fizzle out after that. Uh, Bray would single, but uh, uh, Eloy grounds in a double play to eliminate uh, Brayu and Grandal on the bases there after he has walked. So um, you'd like to add more here, but at the same time, charging out early, always like to score the first runs, especially for a pitcher that you know is going to get hit. Yeah, and they did a good job of that, Johnny, and it's, it's, it's good to see that. The, the offense today uh, overall for me, uh, and especially getting out early in this ballgame, I mean, crooked number two, I guess, qualifies as a crooked number, Johnny. You go out, you get a couple runs. I think we need a hawk, hawk ruling on that. I don't know we, if he. I don't know if he does. Uh, I don't know if he'd agree either. Number. I, I like to. I like to go to three as as my bare minimum. Yes, yes I like to I go agree. to three yes. just for some reason. Even though two is a little more crooked than three, we'll have to get Hawk's ruling on that. I think that you know we'll get in touch with his people. Maybe uh, NWI Steve can make a trip down <laughs> over to uh, Hawk's house and and yeah. find that one out for us, but. I think that, you know, there's his little bit of help. You'd like to see some more here. But I think from an offensive standpoint, Johnny, like the White Sox weren't dead today. Uh, 12 hits, man. Uh, And, you know, we could talk about the runners and scoring position problems, but getting out on the board early, there you go. Like that's that was a good start to this ballgame. I thought that uh, I thought we were on the right track. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just like they did in the series opener, um, Tigers answer back. Uh, you know, they tied it in that uh, bottom of the third on Monday night, but today they would get one back. Uh, and that was thanks to a Badu RBI single, uh, after Ray's allowed for the double and gotten a third on a wild pitch. Um, a lot of stuff going on after that in that inning, but Keuchel still able to escape, uh, with just one let up, uh, bottom of the fourth, they'd strike again though, and tie this thing up. Um, and that would be thanks to another Badu RBI single. Uh, names that we're just starting to get annoyed with here, man. Um, you know, Badu is one of them. He's I give him credit. He's he's a quality ball player. So that, that's you know sometimes you do have to tip your cap to the opponent, but shit doesn't mean we don't hate him anymore. I mean Joe Maurer was a good ball player for a long time, but I hate his fucking guts. Yeah, I, I think Badu is quickly going to become one of my most hated Detroit Tigers. I don't know if it's the fact that he just. Seems to play well against the White Sox. And I mean, he's been a good ball player all year uh, for Detroit. Uh, or maybe it's the fact that he's got his own yabba dabba do thing that they do in the outfield when he makes a catch or whatever it is. He just seems like he's going to be a Detroit favorite, which ultimately makes him one of the guys that I don't like. Yes. So that's just as simple as that. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, for scoring wise in this game, we wouldn't uh, get any more until the bottom of the seventh. And this is where things kind of started to fall off because uh, Keuchel went five, as I'd mentioned. Fry able to get out of that sixth inning uh, thanks to a double play uh, and a nice play by Tim Anderson. I think actually before let's take a step back before uh, because there were a couple of nice defensive plays to save runs in the bottom of the first itself. Uh, Adam Engel had gotten a ball back in uh, Anderson with the throw home. Grandal blocking the plate with his cleat. So, yes, the defense wasn't crisp overall. You had Larry Garcia having one hit off his glove. Uh, you, you had some little odd, wonky sort of things going on, um, especially in these plays, too. But two of them did result in big outs for the White Sox in the bottom of the first, like I just mentioned there. And then in the sixth, um, it was uh, Reyes originally called safe uh, when he was uh, coming home, but that was eventually cut down. Uh, thanks. Actually, that was when Grandall uh, blocked it. It was the first inning that Grandall slapped a uh, scope in the face with the tag. But um, th- that's one thing that Steve and I talked about. We want, we want to see crisp baseball all around. And th- that went for all facets of the game. Uh, we, in defense, I, we said that should be something that's a little easier uh, to control uh, on your side. But at the same time, you, you did get a couple of big plays here. So it's kind of like a, I don't know where to judge this like you'd like to just see the more routine stuff you know tim anderson not throwing it into the dugout on certain <laughs> plays you but at the same time there were a few good ones here adam angle being back in the mix uh having that come in here um th- th- that was a little bit nice to see uh but as i mentioned th- that all kind of precedes this uh because fry able to get out of it after grandall blocking uh home plate with the spike there uh to get out of the six but the seventh is where it would unravel jace fry in for a second inning and uh let's be honest this is this is a point of uh discussion when we're talking about um levels of concern and i saw you know Sox machine penal said uh jace fry is not going to be on the playoff roster i'm not going to let that you know uh, get me too frustrated upset worried about this and i agree from that aspect of it but at the same time uh there was another guy that came in uh and you know they were fries runs here but uh aaron bummer coming in and guys have just been making it look easy on him all year uh, and he, he command wasn't there again today he went down early to the first batter uh what did you see from this kind of shit show of seventh inning uh that brought home uh multiple runs for the detroit tigers here you know, this is this was a that's a White Sox inning, and I think that this is just the culmination of the frustration here, Johnny, because this is this is the type of thing that everybody can pick apart. Uh, number one, it's it's easy to come back here and say, why is Jace Fry still in this ball game? Why why wasn't there a pitching change? And, and from here on out, the tail's just kind of. I'll tell you why, because Ryan Tapera is on the injured list. That's why. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's easy pickings, right? Like it's it's easy to go to why is Jace Fry in the in for a second inning? You know, what are, what are you doing here? It's like okay, well, you, when you're making those statements online, like I generally don't think that people check like what the injury list looks like, who pitched the last five days, what their workload has been. Who but, needs to be utilized? What's the throwing program yeah. on some of these guys? But, like, there's but, a lot more that goes into it. I think there's a short memory too. Did people not forget that our starter only went three innings uh, on Monday night? Yeah, like Both that's having to cover a very, very vast, vast majority of the game there. Yeah, so that that type of stuff that we talk about on the show specifically, when I talk about going deep into ball games and starters not being able to get very far and the taxation on the bullpen that takes place over the next four or five games. Well, that game on Monday or that game four days ago, whenever it happened now has a direct correlation on what's going to happen in the late inning stages of a ball game, a couple days down the road. And I think, you know, it's, it's perfectly plausible to say that, you know, that's what the throwing plan was today. 
and we've seen Tony stick to some of those things. But the, the inning as a whole was just as it was a systematic collapse of some of the bad baseball that this team has been susceptible to all year. If you remember going like in the first few games of this season, we saw some horrific baseball, Johnny. We saw some absolute nightmare plays, some stuff that we were, you know, calling out little leaguers could do this. This is, you know, 10 year old fundamental stuff. These guys are still susceptible to that. I think that's the White Sox at their worst. And sometimes that's going to rear its ugly head. You saw it for an inning here. Yeah, uh, most definitely. And uh, especially just within this inning, it just hurts, man. just hurts as a fan to watch this because, you know, a couple hits, uh, back-to-back singles to lead it off, and then you get a double play. Jace Fry does get another double play ball here. Grossman advances the third on that one, though, uh, and then Goodrum brings him around on the single. That would be the one uh, that put Detroit up. That wouldn't be the winning run, though. Uh, those come later. Uh, after Fry comes, you know, he walks the guy after that. Fry comes out. Bummer comes in. Uh, double steal gets it over. It doesn't really matter because Bummer's command ain't there. Walks Paredes, um, and then Reyes delivers a two-RBI single. That was a crushing blow uh, in this one. So, yes, sure, Jace Fry's uh, run, runs. I get it. But at the same time, Aaron Bummer, guy that you want to come and lock it down, and guy that will be on the playoff roster for people who have that concern, that you know, or brushing off Chase Fry because he's you know the one not there. Um, guess what, Aaron Bummer, you're probably going to come in with runners on base, um, and I really don't feel confident with him uh, just from what he's shown all year here. He's been uh, Jekyll and Hyde all year, Johnny. Like you've seen sometimes where his stuff is so crisp and nasty. And then you've seen other games where Aaron Bummer inspires zero fucking confidence for anything. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's almost like playing roulette every single time you bring him into a ball game at this point in time. Not consistent. Uh, yep, there it is. Uh, not consistent. I, I've been up and down on Bummer since he joined this White Sox club at the big league level. There's been times where people have thought that this guy has closer stuff. There's been other times where – he looks like he does right now. And there's just no, there's no sense of comfort when he comes into a ball game. I think when, when Liam Hendricks comes into a game or when Craig Kimbrell comes into a game, generally over the career, it's inspired comfort. We're going to get out of this with bummer. I, I, I have not had that all year and I am pleasantly surprised every time he comes out of an inning yeah. and, and gets the job done. But if you're sitting at the ballpark, you're five, six beers deep. And it's a tie ball game, and it's the seventh inning. Like Aaron Bummer comes into the game. I'm going to grab like three more beers before <laughs> I get back to my seat because you know you're strapping in for an experience. You're one like, way God or the damn other. It, why'd they ever ban smoking in the park, right? Yes. Like get me <laughs> as much nicotine as I possibly can to get through this inning. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at with Aaron Bummer. It's it's yeah, I'm concerned there. Specifically, yeah. because I thought he was going to be a, even if he was a solid eighth inning guy right now. On paper, I know the baseball game is played in between the lines, but on paper, he should be one of those guys that you go to in high leverage situations. That's what we were all hyping up at the beginning of this year. Shit, we didn't even think we'd have to make bullpen acquisitions, maybe a minor uh, one or two, but hey. Uh, you, you know how that went um, and the bullpen never being able to put it together. And that kind of just is just builds on that point that I made earlier in kind of our intro prelude um, to all this about taking the temperature of where we feel right now. Um, yep. It's been a, okay, well, you know, they're going to get it together at some point, as long as they get it together by X date or whatever, that feels like the goalposts have just been moving and they've been getting wider. And guess what? They get any wider. It's going to extend in the playoffs. We're going to, who set the so. official date on the goalposts though? 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I I, in, I don't know about you, Tony, but for me, it's like in my mind. I, and I, I guess maybe in text conversations with you, uh, with our guy Akins, um, I've said certain things like, okay, well, you know, sure, there's like issues right now, and it might take a little bit for them, a few more outings to get it, uh, you know, back under control. And we've seen some guys do that and come back. And you know, Liam Hendricks, for an example, he had stretches in April. Uh, he had stretches in what uh, the Field of Dreams game early August, uh, where he's letting shit up. But he f- feels like he's re-centered, and you feel confident in him. And he did throw a scoreless inning, too, by the way, just shaking off some rust uh, when it was already 5-2 at the end of this thing today. Uh, but you just haven't seen that from Aaron Bummer. So I think Jekyll and Hyde's a good word. Uh, kind of long-winded here discussion on him. But uh, someone I'm not feeling particularly confident about here uh, as we move into the playoffs. So um, that would do it uh, for that seventh inning. Let's get into the eighth because the White Sox would make a little mini rally kind of minor surge Uh, starts with two outs. Adam Engel back in the lineup today, as I mentioned with the defensive play, getting the ball in quickly uh, as soon as he fielded it in the first inning in here, uh, top of the eighth with two outs, uh, double down the line Uh, looked like the hamstring was good. Please God. Let that thing stay good uh, because he's already hit the hat trick of IL stints this year. Don't need any more, especially uh, come playoff times with that looming right now. Um, Cesar Hernandez draws a walk after that. Tim Anderson, when it flips over, uh, drives home. Uh, Adam Engel, that makes it 5-3. to three. Unfortunately, Luis Robert, one of the hotter bats on the team, uh, grounds out to end that threat. Would have been nice to tack on more there, put even more pressure um, on this thing here. But uh, that, that would be it. Um, you know, talk about the top of the ninth, though, because you talk about being exciting here. I'm getting a little bit down. Uh, still had a chance to come back and win this thing. Yeah, you did. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I brought this up uh, earlier. Uh, the, the fact that the White Sox are still in these games, it, it feels like silver linings. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not a fan of that. A win is a win. A loss is a loss. You did not get the job done. And something that Tony La Russa said in the postgame show today, uh, that they're not executing in all phases. That execution, I think that he's referring to is situations like this where you're in the ball game late or early, whatever it is, and you got runners in scoring position. Are you able to get that running? You saw the, you saw the play where, you know, uh, Garcia bunts, uh, who was it over to third base? Uh, yeah, that was earlier. Uh, it was earlier in the game. Yeah. I forget who who got over to third, but uh, uh, Adam Engel. That was that was in the six, and uh, that was uh, Moncada had let off with an infield single, um, and then Garcia had bunted him yes. over. Yes, Garcia bunted him over. It was uh, a Moncada single. He reaches second on an error, and then Garcia bunts him over to third base. Execution here from Tony Larusa's standpoint is getting that run in. I mean, that's a crucial right. run, especially when you're sac- – like Tony Tony knows that, you know, bunting might not exactly be the best thing here. Garcia's been a, a, a decent bat, Johnny. I think we – like yeah. we, can, we can rave about what Lurie Garcia's done with the bat this season. You're taking a calculated risk at this point in time to score that run, to take the lead in the ballgame at the time, I believe, and there was no execution there. Right. And it's easier said than, I mean, it was Adam Engel's first game back. And so you can look and you can sympathize with these things, but the execution didn't take place. I think from, from a, we've got a, a comment in here. Do you trust Tony's judgment? I trust Tony's judgment in, in doing some of these things. I, I, what I don't trust is the execution phase that he talks about from the player standpoint. 
Because you can set things up to succeed. You can have a reason behind what you're doing. But when you're not getting it done on the field and it doesn't work, that's where all the problems and the fingers start to get pointed, Johnny. It's now all of a sudden we lost because we bunted with Lurie or we lost because so-and-so did did Jace Fry pitched two innings instead of one. If there was a plan in place and it was just poorly executed, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this as a loss because of, of, of how it went down. I'm still frustrated. I'm still mad about it. But I don't know how you feel on that. Yeah. And I mean, you think it's been executed. I mean, think about the trade deadline acquisitions that came over, minus Ryan Tapera, because he's been pretty damn solid uh, ever since coming over. But you look at guys that Craig Kimbrell was supposed to solidify the back of the bullpen. That hadn't been the case. So there's an execution thing on his standpoint there. Cesar Hernandez, another example here, uh, looked good for the first week or so, you know, hit that uh, home run at Wrigley not too long after being acquired um, in extra innings, I believe, or at least to send it um, in one of those games there. Either way, uh, it looked like that was going to be the case, uh, but faltered off. I mean, he's way below league average in terms of production, weighted runs created um, ever since coming over. And you saw that bleed over into the defensive side, what should be a strong suit. And I will give him credit up until uh, most recently has been pretty damn solid in the field. But uh, when you have those kind of struggles, that can bleed over another fast of the game. You guys are human beings at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, the mental aspect of the game there, too, uh, not as sharp focus as you needed. He did make a nice defensive play today uh, to kind of ramp that back up. But overall, you need the total package from him. So you're just not getting that level of, ex- level of execution. And then a um, guy like Adam Engel, you mentioned, just coming off the injured list. Probably still some rust to shake off, uh, but I would rather have him do that now uh, instead of, uh, you know, waiting until right, right before uh, the postseason starts so um you know it's i i would agree with you overall then uh it's the execution i I could live with it uh at the end of the day but um you'd like to see more moments where they do come through like tim anderson uh leading us uh to come from behind walk off victory at the field of dreams game and the fireworks going off um that kind of shit is what i want to see yeah i want to see that too johnny i i want to see the magic i mean you and i were at the uh yadsmani grand i'll walk off game um there, there's there's been some some really special moments, and I think for as many highs as we've gotten to experience this year, it kind of makes the lows a little bit worse. It kind of sets that expectation that every single time this team's in a ball game, there's going to be some magical fucking turnaround, and this lineup is going to, you know, bat around in the eighth inning and all of a sudden put up a ten spot. What's different between this team and teams of the past is they have the ability to do that and frustrate you in a way that White Sox baseball hasn't been able to frustrate you for a long time. It's because they should win these games. They should. They have the ability to bat around. They have the ability to be down six runs in the ninth inning and probably fucking come back because you get to the top of the order. It's Tim Anderson. It's Luis Robert. It's Jose Abreu. It's Eloy Jimenez. It's Yoan Moncada. Yasmani Grandal, like that, that right there is different than any other White Sox team. I think that you and I could ever even talk about from the standpoint of these guys are major leaguers. Now they all have a little bit of experience under their belt, but they're also still young. Yeah. They're also still young. And yet they have this level of expectation on them that they are going to be able to turn that around because they've shown the ability to do it. 
They've right. shown that they can make magic happen. Yeah. And so once magic starts happening, I think that there's just a little bit of a higher expectation on it to happen a little bit more, maybe. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you kind of spoke to me, uh, what you were saying there, um, you, you, the lows may feel a little bit lower because the highs are higher. It's, it's kind of like the, the roller coaster. Uh, you get up uh, higher uh, on the peaks there, and then the drop is much more drastic and fast. It uh, feels like, at least, uh, that's the case here. That's why maybe you see some of these sort of reactions here. All right. Question that'll lead us in here before uh, we get to preview and look ahead at what's next. Uh, a little bit of a weird setup uh, with what's going to be coming up next year. But a uh, question from Derek Rosemus on YouTube. Honestly, do you guys think this team can turn it around for the postseason? It's been 500 ball for like 80 games now and still no turnaround. This is part of the concern that I had brought up at the beginning of the show. And it uh, it is, especially when you look at something like last year um, and you granted that was more of kind of a, uh, they played really well up until that. I mean, through that twin series last year, they were looking great. And then it was just the last week and a half uh, that they completely fell off the face of the earth um, last year. So it's a little bit of a different setup this year uh, with this whole kind of turnaround thing. A couple of factors that go into it. I think a, the dog days of summer play a factor. And then a couple of things uh, that were also mentioned in uh, comments below here, uh, Dwayne Lakis. Thanks for uh, both of you guys kind of sparking some discussion here. Um, but he had said, you know, injuries uh, and changes uh, playing a uh, factor in that definitely could see that. Um, but uh, there's another good point made that there are, you know, uh, certain players that were injured in the first half supposed to be your, you know, heavy hitters, big boppers, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert that came back and we're still experiencing this. Um, but then you get the factor like Jason Benetti tweeted out a couple of days ago and there's you've only had the the kind of core guys of the lineup and i think that was Abreu, robert eloy uh grendahl um tim anderson all together only for what four games now uh three today being it was four after today. four after today and uh now three and one uh in those games so obviously extremely small sample size it's hard um and uh, unfortunately i don't have a flat out answer for you right now um but this is where the negative 90 comes in. Um, if you ask me opinion, if I, you'd put a gun to my head and I had to make a choice, I would say no. And I would think they're going to lose in four games in the division series. That's where I'll leave it. You, I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kind of disagree with you on that. I think that this team does have the ability to, to do something within this, this playoff series, at least with round one. Um, I, I think that the white Sox have had that, that taste of failure in, in the playoffs. I think that they went through that last year. Most of this core went through that. Um, I think that they're all kind of gearing up towards that. And I think that the, one of the main differences between this year's team and last year's team, Johnny, is probably your favorite ball player, and that's Lance Lynn. Um, and that's where I'm going to go back and say, there's, there's some different leaders on this team that you didn't have last year. And you hand that ball to Lance Lynn in game one of the playoffs, and I know, or, or even game two, and I know he's going to go out there and fucking shove. And it may not happen, but I know that he's got the right mindset to do so, and I know that he's going to go out there and attack. And number yeah. two, Lucas Giolito looked like a different fucking animal in the playoffs yes. last yes. year against yes. Oakland. And I know that Lucas Giolito, um, you know, this, this is something we talk about with with hockey in the, in the, in the Blackhawks, Johnny, on our, our Four Feathers. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have, have admitted numerous times it's so different getting through the regular season after you've had that taste of playoff yes. success. And one thing that I kind of want to go back and maybe attribute to Lucas Giolito kind of being like floating through the motions is because he got that first taste of, of what it's like to pitch on a big stage 
in the playoffs last year. You saw how fucking locked in this guy is. All of a sudden, you get those guys going one, two. And right now, I think they are. Because you know, the death stare. Yeah, that death stare. I, I think that this pitching staff, this starting pitching staff with, with one or two guys, Lance Land, Lucas Giglio, that's who I'm looking at right now. And if you can get something, anything out of Carlos Rodon, I think you've got the starting pitching to get yourself through that first series. On top right. of that, I, I want to go to something that uh, that Dwayne also brought up. And, and just for a brief second, thank you for all the guys that, that, that uh, and anybody who, who comes in and, and comments on this show. We had some great interaction with some of you guys today. Uh, if you're not following us on YouTube or, or Facebook or, or Twitter, sock, at Socks on Tap on Twitter, uh, and then uh, Facebook at OnTap Sportsnet, YouTube OnTap Sportsnet, um, just comment in here. We'll talk about it. Uh, but I, I think that the Billy Hamilton thing that he brought up is is kind of very interesting to me. And it's very interesting to me for one reason. Yep. The White Sox have gone out of their way to keep this man on the roster for this entire season. They have could played, have very well DFA'd him instead of Jake Lamb. You could have DFA'd him instead of Jake Lamb. You could have I, I think they had opportunities to get rid of Billy Hamilton had he not been part of this thing way earlier on in the year when Eli came back. There were plenty of opportunities. Brian Goodwin, Billy Hamilton, I think Gavin Sheets kind of plays into this a little bit as well. There are some guys here that have the ability to take over a ball game, but they're not looked at in that core that Jason Benetti tweeted about. And some of those guys have had the ability to win ball games for this club. It is the deepest White Sox team that I've seen in forever, and that's why I'm going to give – the benefit of the doubt to a a Hall of Fame winning manager who's been here, done this before, who's seemingly assimilated to his players very well, handled things the right way, and a group of guys where if for some reason one of these guys are injured heading into the playoffs or just not there, you've got some guys that can come up and, and, and do some heroic things. And I think it's it's just a ball club that's built a little bit different. I think that's where the it factor is for me, Johnny. I think they make it through the first round of the playoffs. From there on, I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, I don't I mean, care who they play. I, I just wanted to preface this that I want to, you know, I kind of take, you, you know me, Tony, I kind of take the, uh, assume the worst, you know, prepare for the worst uh, and hope for the best sort of uh, mentality. And that is for me kind of assuming I'm not, I don't know what I'm getting out of Carlos or not. Is it going to be three, four innings? Is it even going to be a starting thing? Is it going to be like an opener sort of deal? There's too much uncertainty there. So I think we should save, we'll save official playoff predictions. We give a little taste right there from both uh, me and Tony. And that's kind of just where our vibe is at right now. But I think we'll wait until that end of the season there uh, as we're getting into that Detroit series, you know, after that, we'll have a few days in between there. We'll do a playoff preview show definitely please come back and we discuss more and we'll know more about who's going to be on the roster. We'll know about health status of guys, hopefully, unless they do it like hockey and completely cover shit up. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case though. They're a little bit more transparent in the baseball world. So, um, you know, we, we'll do that and we'll get, we'll get a more comprehensive playoff for you, but I like sparking the early discussion here. Um, I do think I agree. And I think just from a talent standpoint, personnel that's available to you. Um, I totally agree with all the leadership uh, things that you said there, but Unfortunately for me, I don't know if Lance Lynn matches up well against the Astros. I would actually have more faith in Lucas Giolito. And I think if they're going to win one game, there would be from Lucas Giolito. Weird as that is me to say, since I love Lance Lynn. But we'll see what that all looks like. Because if you have Carlos Rodon backing those guys up fully healthy, that's a different mentality there uh, going in there. Didn't even mention Dylan Cease here. Yeah. 
I mean, if that, you get a whole if, other thing to if get, if you into. get Dylan Cease, we talked about it a little bit last night. If you yeah. get Dylan Cease with like one of those magical, and that's the beautiful thing about baseball, Johnny, is that like some days some guys are just on, and if you have a a game during this playoff series where Dylan Cease is just fucking on, you're winning that ball game. Right, I just think you are because his stuff is just so good. There's there's so yeah. much talent on this pitching staff. Where if people are right, and again, we go back to the date and the moving goalposts. When when does everybody get right? I don't yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I think it changes it, based on who I'm texting at the time. But you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. If we uh, also have so, someone as a machine, uh, some uh, you know someone who's good with biology, be able to clone Ryan Tapera and, and uh, William Hendricks, send them our way. Um, we could use that. that. That would make me feel a lot more confident going into playoffs too. Because yes, starting pitchers can have a good outing. But is Jose is Jose Ruiz making this <laughs> playoff roster? Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting there. Um, is he? I, 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 it, it, I don't think you heard the discussion what, about what, him what having a split. Yeah, he's got uh, the same. He's got the same war and about the almost exact as many innings as Michael Kopech. Yeah, so uh, it's, and a battery RA. Yeah, it, it's a discussion to be had. But like I said, I think we need to wait uh, for our full comprehensive preview. There, this is kind of a good uh, prelude to that. There, but we have some more things to get to here uh, because uh, there's a big, uh, you know, big in, as in uh, just quantity wise uh, games. Not, not that you know someone can say they're not important care less about these but either way they do have a five game set coming up this weekend at cleveland um already jumping ahead to that you might say oh there's one more in the schedule against detroit um guess what do my best ollie williams here it's going rain it's going rain all day in detroit tomorrow 90 percent chance or greater from 8 a.m through 10 p.m there's no fucking way they're getting this game in tomorrow next time the white Sox will play we'll be in cleveland for uh opening up a split double header uh on uh Thursday afternoon, noon, and I believe 5.40 might be the other uh, start time there, 5.10. So, yeah, th- that's when they're going to play. That's what we're looking ahead to here. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the schedule looks like. I-, I think we should go look at, you know, obviously the uh, Royals and Indians are playing uh, tonight. The- that game is still looks like that might be on um, because, as you saw, that weather that was coming through Detroit that the White Sox got there today, um, that is, I think, Stone and Benetti said that's kind of what it'll look like. Uh, for the Cleveland series there. They are in the middle of the fourth there. Cleveland's up. So, hey, uh, we'll get to your point about that in a second. But then on Wednesday, I believe they have another game to close their series out there. Yes, they do. So we'll have to take that measure there. Um, like I said, I would bet but in all favor. I'd throw the house on it that the White Sox and Tigers don't play tomorrow. So um, getting your situation here um, about you talk about wanting Cleveland to win tonight. Yeah, I, I yeah. want I want Cleveland to win tonight because I want to see this team celebrate on the field. I think it was just going to be a better experience. I feel like it's it's better for the team to do this on the field. Obviously, uh, you read out that tweet from uh, uh, who was it, Manso Lee yeah. earlier um, uh, about celebrate. Nobody wants to celebrate from the hotel room. That one's kind of stuck with me. I, I'd rather this White Sox team get to. Uh, dance all over the Indians for a little bit. My theory is they're going to win tonight. We'll see what happens tomorrow, whether or not the White Sox play a baseball game, but then uh, you're going to need them to win again uh, tomorrow if they play, depending on how rain and everything shakes out. But I would like to see the White Sox come in in that first game and just beat the shit out of them in a seven-inning ball game 
be able to celebrate in between games. Uh, obviously, you know that that means they're going to lose game two on Thursday. Right. Right, but and, it's not uh, going to matter. We're 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 probably not even going to cover the second game. I want the division title. Yes, I do. And Steve and I talked about this. It's something to celebrate when it does happen. We're not there yet. Still, you know, magic number still sits at two where we are right now. Uh, as things are going right now, I know it's a nine inning ball game, but uh, in the fourth inning there right now, four uh, zero Cleveland up on KC right now. So it looks like uh, we're going to have that case there. Um, but when it does come, when that time does come, I think it, it, whether how you feel about this team, Derek Rosemus in the comments here, we had talked uh, questions back and forth with a little bit in the chat. Um, I'm with you on sort of not having a whole lot of confidence right now uh, that they can really string it all together for a deep run here right now. But that should not stop you from celebrating a division title when it happens. I cannot stress that enough. You pour your heart and soul in this team enough to, and watch every day, commit so much time and you know put energy into it, spend money going to the ballpark. I'm rehashing some of the stuff that I said last night, but do yourself a favor and enjoy it because division championships, guess what? It hasn't happened since 08. Never know when the next one could happen. I mean, sure, it looks like the White Sox are set up for a competitive window here, but look, Detroit's on the rise. You could have multiple injuries next year. What if they don't persevere through those injuries uh, like they did? We may not have baseball next year. Yeah. Yeah, there could be a lockout. Look at what happened in the early 90s. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Celebrate that when it happens. Um, Hopefully that is happening uh, Thursday in Cleveland. Uh, The White Sox able to do it uh, on their own volition uh, with a win. Uh, And obviously that would be a Cleveland loss with us playing head-to-head there. But now that I've said all that and uh, we've set that whole situation up, let's still preview this game as if it's happening tomorrow. uh, Because I would imagine um, at least Raylo gets bumped uh, just one day to that start. Um, I don't imagine them uh, altering that plan uh, too much from there. Uh, but Renault Lopez is supposed to go up against uh, Casey Mize for the Tigers here. Hey, rain might not be the worst thing in the world. I know Casey Mize is still a work in progress, but shit, this guy has potential dripping off of him. Yeah, Casey Mize scares the living shit out of me. I said this since the Tigers acquired him in the draft a couple of years ago. I don't like the fact that the Detroit Tigers, and and if we're going to close this up because we may not have a chance to, uh, one thing I was texting with uh, our guy NWI Steve during today's ball game was I think next year, if we do have a season um, and and going into uh, the next couple following years, I think the Tigers are going to be a problem for the White Sox. I think that they're the next team up in the division behind us. Um, They've set their their rebuild the right way. They've got an, an ace in Casey Mize coming through here, a good manager from from AJ Hinch's standpoint. You, you, we talked about Badu earlier. Um, Miguel Cabrera is going to leave a lasting impact on that that organization. Uh, there's some good things going on in Detroit. Unfortunately, um, I, I want the Sox in Detroit to kind of carry this 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 rivalry uh, the same way that the Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings did. Uh, over a course of of the '90s, Johnny, that's that's what I'm looking for right now. Honestly, is is Detroit to kind of step up and challenge us a little bit, and I want I want to play the big brother role in this rivalry. Yeah, uh, and, and this is this is you know kind of the, the the final words on Detroit. Maybe we'll get another game here, but I think that you know the Chicago Detroit rivalry thing c- could get a good boost out of the White Sox and Tigers uh, yeah. over the next couple uh, of years here. Uh, 
I'll go back. This is even before, you know, Tiger's not not expected to compete this year. They're, they're still in kind of ascension mode. Think about where the White Sox were uh, in the 17 through 19 seasons. They're somewhere in there. I uh, don't know how the 2020 season shortened, affected that too much with development of players and whatnot, but they're somewhere in that window there, right? Let's be realistic about it, just with the prospects that they've got, yep. the pitching that they've built up there. Um, earlier in the season, though, before this is even happening, it was a big win for the White Sox uh, against the Tigers and walking down. It was back early, back when there's still only 20%. I'm walking down the ramps uh, coming down from the 500 level, and we're getting a Detroit Sox chant going, all White Sox fans. And, you know, you can see the Detroit fans are walking down. They're kind of laughing about it, you know, because they know where their team is at right now. But I think that could be a fun rivalry and get pretty heated. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, I think that, you know, this is uh, what not the last time we'll see them. We will see them uh, on the south side to close out the season. And like I mentioned, first weekend of October. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, this is a good place to wrap up uh, with Detroit here because I don't think we will see them until then. And I wonder how one last question for me lingering is what the hell do they do about this makeup game? Because it's supposed to be a Detroit home game. Do they just play a doubleheader in one of those games uh, when they come to the South side and make Detroit the home team for one of them? I think What's that's, I think or that's what I, I think. I think that's what will happen. Uh, Johnny is, is you'll see the, uh, the Detroit Tigers as a home uh, home team against the White Sox, depending on what happens tomorrow. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to rule anything out. I've been wrong about baseball. I could be wrong. You could be wrong about the weather tomorrow in Detroit. The we'll weather. see what happens. The the weather. Uh, we haven't heard from the weather guy in a while. But uh, I, I think if, if you do have a rain out tomorrow, MLB is going to look at this and see, you know, when the White Sox do eventually clinch, I think that's that's bound to happen, an interdivisional game. Um it, it may not even be made up, Johnny. I think there's there's some history there yeah. that uh, backs that one up. I don't think they made one up. That, yeah, so I think that just depending on the scheduling and, and everything right there, it sucks for Detroit because they're going to lose some revenue on it, and I know you got to keep uh, Little Caesars Pizza afloat. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, I think this one might not get made up. If it, if it does, I think it'll be on the south side as, uh, as a split seven inning, and uh, you'll get uh, the – Detroit Tigers is a home team in uh, in guaranteed rate field, but it'll yeah yeah that, that's just be just, semantics at that point. One last little quirk, and this is all like I said, assuming though. But uh, you know what? The forecast, man. Uh, I know weather can be unpredictable. Th- things can move in, they can move out. But shit, when it's supposed to rain over ninety percent all damn day, that doesn't even give you a window. That doesn't even give you a we can push it back. We can make it a night game sort of thing. It's like if you're going to play this game, you're playing at like four in the morning leading into that Cleveland series. The White Sox, they have to turn around and play doubleheader that next day, too. Don't think, don't think that's going to happen. So that's just uh, what, what I gathered uh, from looking at the weather forecast. Of course, it could change in a heartbeat overnight. Who the hell knows? But that's just what's expected. So that's all we've got to go for right now as we're recording at 6.30 p.m. here uh, on Tuesday night. So, uh, Tony, final thoughts for this show, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they could use an off day tomorrow, Johnny. I honestly, I honestly think that they could use an off day. Uh, get everybody just the bull, the bullpen specifically a little bit of rest um, and come back firing in all cylinders. A uh, couple final thoughts. I know we didn't get into Eloy Jimenez, so I'm going to touch on this briefly. He looks absolutely lost to the plate right now. I think he's a he's a prime candidate for a day off and, and just kind of figure yourself out. Second to that, Tim Anderson's just coming back from an injury uh, where they said that they were only going to use him every other day and he's fighting to get in the lineup and 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 just build that consistency back. We're still seeing the guy that we uh, yeah, the other toughest uh, the other tough stretch of White Sox baseball this year was when Tim Anderson was out of the lineup. Um, 
when when he's going, I think you know we we talk about the straw that stirs the drink, all that all the you know just terminology around Tim Anderson. I think he's starting to just work his way back and get consistent. He looked okay today. Um, there, there is going to be a celebration, I think, for White Sox fans in the next few days. I know we're all anxious about it. I am. I know you are. I hope we're we're taking in the ball games on Thursday together so that we can celebrate appropriately. Just try and wait it out. We've waited fucking how many years since 2008? I'm not even going to try and do that math right now. It's been a long time since the White Sox can say that they were the Central Division champions. I know that doesn't mean a World Series. I know that's not the end goal for this team. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. If I don't get to talk to everybody who listens to the show uh, until that happens, soak that in. That's all I've got to say, Johnny. Right. Uh, well put there at the end there. Um, Tony, I've listed all my thoughts uh, on the team's day-to-day here. So let's talk about a Sox on Tap event coming up. I mentioned that last series of the year uh, at Detroit. Everybody uh, is halfway to St. Patrick's Day. They're doing the Beer Stein giveaway on the Friday night of that Detroit game. Friday, October 1st, 7, 10 p.m. Central Time start. Uh, come on out. St. Patrick's Day tailgate. Sox on Tap will be out in Lot B. I'll uh, we'll have the on tap flag out there. Where are your, any green white Sox gear you have? Bring any ridiculous St. Patty's Day decorations decorations, lights, shit, anything that you have, you want to make it fun. Um, I think it'll be a good time. We all enjoy St. Patrick's Day here at ONTAP Sportsnet. That is a big crackum holiday, Tony, so um, we, we will be doing it justice on its uh, sort of half celebration, uh, obviously being September, halfway through uh, into March here. So uh, it, sh- it should be a good time. Just keep that in your calendars here because that is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, Friday, October 1st planning to meet five five fifteen in lot b seven ten p.m start white Sox and tigers so that's all i've got uh from this one here johnny you missed the last halfway to st patrick's day tailgate in 2019 if i can if i can leave it on anything i'm sad you weren't there it was great it was a double header buzz and i uh got very very drunk that day uh, it was a good. It was a good day. I can't remember if the White Sox won, lost, what happened. I think maybe they split. Who the hell knows? Uh, but it was a fun time. Cannot wait to get back into Lot B with you. I feel like we haven't done it enough this year. Maybe that's just because the year's ending. But enjoy the rest of this. Like I said before, uh, there's going to be a celebration in the next few days. Enjoy that one, White Sox fans. And uh, Johnny, I'll let you close this one down how we always do. Yeah, right. Make sure you're visiting ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Socks on Tap at ONTAP Sportsnet. You can find all of our articles, podcasts, uh, memes, pictures, videos, all that stuff on there. Uh, and then the articles and podcasts as well on the website ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, when you need White Sox merchandise, Grandstand is the place to go. Visit them right by the ballpark, 35th and Wallace. You can also shop online, grandstandsocks.com, and follow for all their new releases on social media at grandstand socks that'll do it for this one tony it was tragic not magic today but it will be magic sometime in the near future that being said white socks forever white socks forever